Sometimes, guys, it's the simple wins in a game like tonight that you take. Cairo Santos, over one and a half field goals. Woo! Nice. All right. God, we'll just take any scoring at this point. This is... Six to three. Oh, this is how it ends. Need one it? more. Six three. Trista said it. Trista, who is the profile picture in your Twitter? That's Scoot Henderson. Oh, is it? Okay. I've been looking at it like, who is that? Is that Joe Johnson? Like, who is that he guy? He looks like a throwback, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, does. So Scoot Henderson, you know, my rookie, my love. Of course. There you go. Of course. Uh, he got contacts. So he's been notoriously terrible from three <laughs> and from the field. I think he was shooting 5% from three at one point, mm -hmm. 12% or something from the field. Yeah. And it turns out the man can't see. So he's got contacts now for the very first time in his life. And for whatever reason, he was like, Psh, got to double strap it up. Let me put some sun goggles on as well. So he's got contacts. He's got sun goggles. So they're like some sort of blue blockers on his face. And he put up 11 in the first half against Dame, his former teammate, for about three and a half seconds. <laughs> and I said, you know what? The goggles have to stay. Portland was 13 and a half point dogs tonight. They went, they out, went right. out right. That's, Tough. Ni that's nice. There is a there is a famous story that not a lot of people may remember. There was a corner for the at the time Redskins. Then he got traded to the 49ers or went in free agency. Carlos Rogers, who was notorious for dropping easy interceptions, actually a really good corner, but could not. I mean, right in the breadbasket. There was one in the playoffs that he just it, got contacts when he went to San Francisco. Totally changed. Like it amazes it amazes me that like pro athletes like, haven't had their eyes checked enough. I do not know that you don't need contacts. Like sorry, officer, I didn't know I uh, couldn't yeah, see. Yeah, I don't get it. Now, granted, somebody like me that's blind without contacts. I I know. I knew when I was a kid. I got to walk up to the overhead projector and I got to squint and be like, what? What what does what does that say right there? But it's different. Like <laughs> I, like they're they're all going through physicals and stuff. They're not looking at the eye chart and the doctor's going, you know, there, uh, Scoot. I think you need some glasses there, buddy. You might be better from three if you do it. And Blows now he's shooting 50% from three uh, with the sun goggles. It is. And, you know, well, it's, it's also, too, probably everything's probably brighter because he's yeah. seeing clearer than before. So he's like, I got to get used to this for a while. So that would be that the case. That makes sense as well. And now yeah. I know who that guy is. So. And now we know. And with that, the Vikings are marching up the field again. Guys, I'm telling you, we're going to get some offense this second half. It's going to be different. Patrick Alexander Everson Madison, jumps on with it? us. Everything's always better when Patrick <laughs> Everson jumps on. Vegas insider. Um, what are five things, Patrick, that you would watch instead of this game tonight? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, maybe if you want to list those, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of getting into the Queen's Gambit a little bit. The Queen's Gambit, <laughs> I, my son got me into that over the weekend while he was home for the holiday, and I'm like, this is kind of interesting. So we're probably going to, we might after we get off here, we might watch uh, episode three of that. It's been a, uh, it, what look, is it's, my it's, hair doing it, tonight, by it's the way, It's certainly been a, it's been a rough game. Hey, where was the money on the under in this uh, when everything kind of closed? Because, God, if I mean, this is just, oh, it's a tough watch, man. It was, well, Benham Jam specifically pretty tilted toward the under. I believe yeah. it was. Let me double check my number, my uh, my notes here from the video I did pregame. But I think it was, uh, tickets were dead even, but money okay. was two to one on the under uh, at Benham Jam nationwide, which is really not a surprise. Over the last 23 primetime games, under is 18 and three. And I think over the last 25 yeah, I think it's 25 Sunday, Monday night games, 22 and three to the under. So uh, betters were certainly riding that tonight, and it looks like they're going to be rewarded easily at this pace. Oh, yes. Looks like favorites, Pat, covered pretty much all weekend of A Thanksgiving. Uh, we 
have a game now that looks like, at least if it holds true, that the Bears as underdogs might even win outright. Um, where else, like how else did the books do overall? Well, look, they, the odds makers got off to a great start with Detroit losing outright, Trista. That was huge. And Seamus McGee at BetMGM told me on Thursday, I interrupted whatever he was doing on Thanksgiving and probably tabled my Thanksgiving activities with the family for a few minutes after that game ended, saying, okay, what does this do? Well, it blew up. A lot of people were paying, playing the three turkey leg money line parlay, favorite to favorite to favorite. I told them Lions, it was Cowboys dumb. To Niners. We said it was and, dumb. And you're right. We did. It was only it only paid out like plus a hundred or something like that. It wasn't really worth it, and you get blown up. And first off, I think most people thought if it got blown up, it would be the Seahawks. I don't think they thought it would be the Packers. But your point still stands, Trista. It did not get there. It got blown up right away. So really, the betters were having to like recalibrate. Scott Shelton of NMGM Nevada said basically everybody had to start over after the uh, after the Packers beat the Lions. Now that said, I think the books did pretty good to Thanksgiving because of that. But better started to make up ground with the Cowboys rolling and with the Niners rolling. And then the favorites did really well yesterday. And it wasn't even so much that, look, I had one, one trader told me yesterday, who in that 1 p.m. Eastern time window beyond the Jacksonville-Houston game, look at any of those other games, who do you trust? And the answer is nobody. Mm-mm. So the public was not really that engaged in the early kickoffs. Uh, the biggest favorite in the early kickoffs was the Patriots, and this and this odds maker said nobody has any interest in the Patriots. <laughs> so, every what everybody was looking toward, maybe they sprinkled a little bit, messed around a little bit on you know with money line parlays and so forth on some of those early games. Maybe took Jacksonville, but the big deal was even though the favorites all across the board did well against the spread, the big deal was the Chiefs and the Eagles in the late window and the Ravens on Sunday night. All three of them got there. All three of them cover. Now, I know Philly didn't, you know, went to two and a half late. So uh, you could say that was perhaps a push, but um, but based on closing number, that was a cover. And it doesn't matter in Moneyline Parlays anyway. They're putting them in there just to get the win, and they did. So it just steamrolled Better's direction from there, and the Better's had a phenomenal Sunday. I think uh, uh, Christian Cipollini behind the counter at BetMGM said that was, yeah, it was the biggest week for sports bettors this NFL season at BetMGM. He said wow. the public feasted on favorites mm. Thanksgiving weekend, and it resulted in the biggest week for sports bettors this NFL season at BetMGM. And again, they lost that opening game and got behind, the bettors were behind the eight ball on Thanksgiving. But, you know, the Cowboys were very heavily bet, so, the, the, you know, the public got a little bit of money back there, and then, the three key favorites is not just the nine and two ATS because look, there were some favorites and I'm sure the three of you wouldn't bet with my money yesterday, but the key, the three key favorites were really, really key. And that was the, the, uh, uh, the chiefs, the Eagles and the Ravens. Pat, you're rocking that big day for the betters. You're rocking that Broncos sweater proud. They are on a roll right now. (laughs) We were talking about this game earlier in the show. Yeah. I'm shocked that Houston is now up to three and a half because this wasn't three. I thought, if anything, the spread would go the other way. I just don't really understand how the Jags are a two-point favorite on the road and Houston loses, and now they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Broncos, who are the hottest team in football. Is this shaping up as a Joes versus pros kind of game? Because, I mean, even though everybody loves Stroud and this Texan story, don't you feel like everybody's going to be on Denver? That's a really good question, PJ. I don't know. I don't know. This is a tough one to call, but what 
you know, opening Houston three surprised me a, even a little bit. I thought it would be under three. And now, as you're saying, you know, seeing three and a half, that definitely surprises me. I don't see that holding up. Look, I don't think Denver is gangbusters. I think Denver has done well for itself the last few weeks, and the defense has been outstanding, which is great. So the offense hasn't had to score a lot. They finally put up a few points yesterday, which was nice. i uh, love to see it. But um, look, the odds maker I spoke with on Sunday night said he thinks the public is interested in both of these teams. And I tend to agree with that. I mm. think Houston is a very interesting story for the public because C.J. Stroud is, uh, you know, a rookie having a having a really, really good rookie season. He's got the Texans in the playoff conversation at the moment. If they would managed to win yesterday, and they were certainly in that game, um, you know, they would have been tied for the lead in the AFC South, which I don't think anybody would have projected after what Houston went through last year. Um, but, but, but Stroud has delivered and Houston's been good. I think this is, this is a, this is a sneaky good game on Sunday. I'm not sure where the public is going to fall. I don't, I, I think they're, like I said, I, I think the odds makers got it right. He thinks the public is curious about both these teams because Denver is winning and generally covering and Houston is having a, a better than expected season with an exciting rookie QB. You know, you spend a lot of time talking about where the public's going and the money and all of these things. What? Why don't I just want to know how you feel about your Broncos right now? They've won five <laughs> straight games, Pat. This team was dead in the water at one and five. Mm-hmm. They're on the verge of maybe being a playoff team this year. I I am listen. I I tried to at least tell people that Russell Wilson wasn't washed, but he's clearly not the same Russell Wilson that there is before. But to see this entire team turn things around the way they have, especially defensively, I mean, it's one of the greatest turnarounds we've ever seen in an NFL season to this point. Yeah, when you when you consider they gave up that 70-burger to Miami. Yeah. And look, there's no question, Miami is a really good team, but Denver was giving up touchdowns to, like, backups in that game. It looked like they were just like, we're, we're checking out for the season here. And now they're 6-5, and five, five-game winning streak, 4-1 against the spread in that, in that stretch. Uh, they've, beaten, uh, they've beaten the Chiefs, they've beaten the Bills. Um, you know, the Vikings, look, I know the Vikings are without a very good quarterback, but uh, in, in Cousins, but they still were playing well and winning games, and Denver took care of that one too. So I'm very pleasantly surprised. I think, you know, it speaks a lot to some resiliency for sure, but um, it probably speaks a little bit to Sean Payton being able to recalibrate this team and maybe speaks more to what he brings as a head coach. He needed to kind of figure out what he had, and it took a few weeks to do it. And unfortunately, it took a tremendous butt-kicking and all-time butt-kicking uh, to help get there. But it looks like he's starting to figure out what they can and can't do, where their strengths and weaknesses are, and, and what to stay away from and what to, and what to go toward. And so, look, I'm happy with it. I hope it keeps up. Uh, this is a good test this week. If they win this week, I, 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 I'm, I really feel like that's a, that's a good signal for, for, the, for the potential to sneak in there and get a wild card. Pat, let's move over to college football because Oregon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oregon football, my ducks. Quack, quack. 10-2 right. against the spread so far this year. They lost to, to Washington in Seattle. They go to a neutral, and I was absolutely shocked that they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite on a neutral. Where's the public going to be on this? That's a really good question, at least with one odds maker, Trista, who I spoke with earlier today. They're on, even though the public generally doesn't get too involved early, they are seeing public action on Washington it's uh, it's a two to one tickets and three to one money on the spread on Washington early. And what the oddsmaker said was the public loves 
the undefeated and higher ranked team catching points, especially that many points, Trista, as you noted, it's a lot of points. He thinks they're likely going to need the Ducks here. I I think there's going to be some public interest in Oregon, though, too, because Bo Nix has got this tremendous Heisman campaign going. That team has been really good these last several weeks, and they've played some good teams over the last several weeks, too, and just blown them out of the water. And Washington hasn't looked as good and had to escape against Washington State and barely got there against Oregon State. Oregon State's a good team, by the way. I think Oregon State's a good team. Uh, and Washington State earlier in the season was a top 20 team. So um, I think I do think that there's going to be you know some public action on both sides of this. It's here in Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. But I see this coming because I talked to oddsmakers the last several weeks, Trista, and they've all been saying, look, we on a neutral field, we absolutely have Oregon favored. We have Oregon's odds shorter to win the Pac-12 championship. This was weeks ago. We have Oregon's odds shorter to win the national championship, to qualify for the college football playoff. The, the odds makers are definitely impressed with Oregon. So that number doesn't it, – it, 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 I thought it would be 7.5-8, but when Washington didn't show that well in week 13, I'm not surprised it went to 9. Pat, two minutes left. Alabama, Georgia in the SEC title oh game. <laughs> Bama had a stress-free, easy win last week in the Iron Bowl. You know, now they face Georgia. What do you think is going to happen in this game? Because, you know, not often do you get Bama as a five-and-a-half-point dog, but I know betting against Georgia is a scary thing. How do you see this one kind of playing out amongst betters? Well, again, the same odds maker that I spoke with about earlier today about Oregon and Washington – he, he talked about Georgia, Alabama a little bit too. Early money on the dog here, to your point about kind of hard to see Alabama getting a handful of points. Not quite a, not quite the six or the seven, but uh, getting a handful of points. It's two-way action with a lean. 56% of tickets, 58% of money on Alabama. So they do like the dog getting uh, uh, getting a handful of points. I think the public will, will come back on Georgia. There'll probably be some public play on both sides. I'm sitting on a 25-1 to 1 Alabama National Championship ticket, so – that's you know what I'm rooting for because they got a win to get there. So, yeah. but I've also got a 12 to one on Oregon and a 20 to one on Texas. So, I'm hoping to get three of the four if it all go, if all goes well this week. You know, PJ's tide are just they're cockroaches. They just never go away, Patrick. They never die. They just <laughs> stay around forever. And every season, it can be the worst year ever for them. And somehow they're in the national championship conversation at the end of every year. Patrick Everson, Vegas Insider. Great to talk to you as always, buddy. You as well. You three have a great week. Thanks for having me. Oh man, Thanks, Pat. Uh, Thanks, we just Pat. Cole Komet just caught his seventh pass of the game, guys. Forty-three yards. Yeah, DJ Moore's got eight receptions for fifty-eight. The Bears, Bears are spreading the ball out. Bears are getting people involved. Yet they still haven't finished the drive. It's the end of the third quarter. The Bears are up six-three on the Vikings. Josh Dobbs also, while we were talking to Patrick, threw not his first, no, not his second, no, his third interception of the game. He's got eighty-eight yards. He has not had a good game. The Ooh. Magic of Josh Dobbs kind of feels like it's just it's washed gone. away at this point. It's It was fun. It was a great ride, but it may be over. 6-3 at the end of the third. It's BetMGM tonight.